This episode of The Impulse Form is brought to you in part by mastermind sponsor, Coach Chris Cachera. Discover Coach Chris's Regenesis 360, a lifestyle concierge center located in Pismo Beach, California. Visit Regenesis360.com to sign up for a complimentary ARX resistance training session. That's Regenesis360.com. So many students, they only aspire to what they see as, as realistic. And so to have businesses and um, to bring in uh, examples of careers and opportunities for students, I think, is what helps them create a vision for themselves. And, and they begin that journey on that path. And they may deviate. I was a college dropout. But I think that optimism, uh, that, that goal in mind, that, that gives you that positive positivity and that self-esteem to, to progress forward. You're listening to The Impulse Forum, where imagination, education, and inspiration meet to create enterprise. Welcome to all our uh, fellow impulse chasers. We're really excited today to have Principal John Denno with us, and we'll just get right into the interview. But just a little background: we, we, um, uh, my son was going into his freshman year of high school when when uh, Principal Denno took over for NHS, and um, we met him through Mark Valadez and the Napomo Pastors, and and um, we we're just really glad to. We, we just found him to be uh, personable, I'm actually the most personable principal I've ever met, actually, and uh, and just willing to uh, engage parents and invite parents into the process of education and becoming mentors to the students and and um, just found him to, and, and, and uh, the reason why we have the Impulse Forum at all. Uh, is because he was a big proponent of what we were doing, bringing in guest speakers, guest uh, businessmen, and leaders from the community to speak to the students. And so, anyhow, welcome to the program, Mr. John Denno. Thank you. Uh, that's a gracious introduction. And, uh, you know, I, I think you're, I wanted to follow up on your comment regarding uh, just being welcoming for our community. And, High schools also often are just about you know leave cut the cord leave your kid we'll take care of them from here and and uh, it, it truly does require all of us to help shape these young people into great members of our community. So as part of the impulse forum, the procedure we have these four questions that we have the students ask themselves while they're listening to the guest, and one of the questions to begin with is to observe and. Um, to observe each uh, guest's character traits and their skill sets and and uh, their interests that they have. And so my beginning question to you is, as a young person, a young uh, teenager, what were your background, interests, hobbies, talents? You know, what were you interested in? And 
Well, I, I think that uh, I, I want to add in there just growing up, you know, I was an Air Force brat. Uh, okay. We were, uh, my dad was stationed at Vandenberg for a short time before we moved to West Germany and, and eventually relocated to the Central Valley. And so, um, you know, Pastor Valdez will really appreciate that before we moved to California, uh, I'd committed that, you know, I thought we we're going to live by the beach with palm trees, had visions of Los Angeles, and I was going to be a diehard Rams and Dodger fan. Yeah. Um, little did I know that I would live amongst uh, Giants and 49er fans. So uh, that was that was very uh, a big tran- uh, shift for us and our family. But uh, growing up in the Valley, you know, very much a blue collar environment, um, you know, having a strong work ethic. Uh, you know, having a dad who served 26 years in, in the Air Force, um, those experiences, I, I think, were pretty influential in, in my growth. Um, you know, I actually had a newspaper route at the age of uh, while when I was in fourth grade. So from fourth grade through ninth grade, I was getting up early every morning and delivering newspapers to uh, 80 to 100 different customers. Um, and so those our, responsibilities really. I don't think our, this generation understands that uh, opportunity that you and I had back to be able to have a job that early, yeah, uh, that's, that young, being able to be responsible to get up and be somewhere every day early, you know, or in the afternoon in my case. But yes, I totally had the, it's just great opportunity. It's a bummer that the kids don't have that this day today. Yeah. I think, uh, uh I think my, my route started as an afternoon route and then eventually changed to mornings. But, uh, yeah, there was no newspaper online. It was That's a right. hard copy, a lot of black newspaper right. print on your hands. And, That's right. Yeah, a great experience, though. Yeah, getting to collect those funds. So, so uh, as a te- so, what what led you into education? What like what was the turning point, or what you know? I think that the reason I wanted to mention those experiences because I, I really believe those influenced me. I, um, in addition to that, I was the youngest of four boys. Uh, my older brothers were very interested in sports, and I think just getting involved in sports, having a that military structured environment, and having a lot of responsibility as, as a young person, it led to me being successful. I won't say necessarily as a great athlete, but it allowed me to be successful in athletics, mm. and uh, presented some opportunities. But, you know, in reflection now, I, I realize that that equipped me as a coach, as a leader, as a teacher. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of fast forwarding from there, uh, I was the first, I was the last youngest of four boys, but I was the first to graduate from college. Hmm. And, but my route was not direct. Um, I went to college, I dropped out, uh, worked several jobs in the private sector, and um, I'd always had this desire to join and, and the military and serve our country. And so I enlisted as a, a Marine reservist and um, you know, you have three months of boot camp to really reflect on what you would rather be doing. And for me, um, I, I really looked fondly upon those experiences of being involved in sports. And so um, my, my real attraction was to be a coach. I, I wanted to be involved in athletics, baseball, football. Uh, I love the training element of things. And um, I recognized that for me to do that, it was going to be teaching. And uh, I've really fell in love since then with both. Okay. Uh, What year did you enroll and enlist in the military? What what, what years are we talking about? Like 
for dates. <laughs> yeah, for context. <laughs> to, yeah, and so, to date yourself. Uh, and that's okay. I'm, I'm yeah. comfortable with that. Yeah. Uh, so it, the the Gulf War uh, was during my junior and senior year in high school, okay. uh, 89 and 90. I graduated in 91, um, and I enlisted in November of 91. Oh, and so right, so right I, after I didn't I didn't leave into boot camp until April. Um, we were still in the conflict in the Gulf at the time. Um, fortunately, um, I, I, the worst I saw was two weeks in Oklahoma. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's important to know, you know, for young people listening out there, I think too, just like how quickly things can change. Those decisions are made, you know, and it's like suddenly your life's on a different path and, you know, uh, and so you were in the military and the, as a Marine for how many years? So my, my contract was for eight years total. Uh, that's six years of active duty status. And, and now I have a better understanding of what that contract meant. At the time, I, I really didn't know. But uh, uh, so my status as a, uh, a member of the United States Marine Corps ended in November of 99. So from the date I swore in, eight years out was the end of that contract. In between, there were six years of active duty and active reserve status. And so that was April of 92 until, uh, I guess, uh, April of 98. And then you returned to college. And I had, I was, I re- enlisted, or I'm sorry, I returned to college in uh, the spring of 93. Oh. So I really only missed um, a year and a half um, with my my high school peers. So you were able to do both. You were able to go and be as a reserve in the military that whole time and then go to pursue school. and Right. So as a reservist, I I did one weekend a month in Sacramento, California, and uh, two weeks every summer. And so there's a little bit of compensation that that went towards college, uh, helped pay some bills. Um, But as I said, just great experiences and helping shape me. Okay. So you're actually going to school, reserve military, and so when did, did you graduate before you actually got out of the military? Yeah, so I, I graduated, uh, ended up transferring to California State University Stanislaus in Turlock, California, uh, at one time known as Turkey Tech. Uh, anyway, I graduated from uh, Stanislaus with my bachelor's degree in the spring of 97. During this entire time, I had been um, volunteering, if you will. You get a small stipend for coaching, and I, I coached football and baseball that the high school I graduated from in Atwater um, and just, you know, continued to build relationships with a number of educators uh, that, you know, helped give me some guidance and mentor me um, about preparing for, you know, a job as a, a career as an educator. So what was your first teaching job? You know, at the time, California was in a crisis trying to hire teachers. So I got hired without a credential. I was fresh out of college, uh, no experience in preparation. So um, my dad had been teaching uh, middle school. Um, After he retired from the Air Force, he went back to college to get his degree. And so I I had that, you know, a little bit of understanding what he was doing. Um, and then I had an uncle who, uh, taught and was a counselor at Merced high school, uh, for uh, nearly 35 years. And so that was it though. And, uh, the only preparation I had was one of our football coaches was teaching summer school 
and he asked me to substitute for him for the first eight days. <laughs> so that was, that was the only teaching experience and preparation I had going into my first I'm sure year. all those students were enthusiastic to be with you in uh, summer school. <laughs> you know, the, the buzz haircut, the military <laughs> style, uh, you know, it helped with classroom management. I'll well, give it that much. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, uh, so first experience as a substitute teacher for summer school. That's crazy. So, um, and then, and then what that evolved into teaching, was it always high school that you were involved in? Yeah. So I got hired at the, at the school I graduated from. Um, it was some of the teachers probably thought I was still a student, but uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great experience. I taught there for four years, uh, teaching social studies, geography, um, health uh, for freshmen. And then I ended up teaching uh, seniors in government and economics. And, and I, I really found that to be my passion. I, I loved to engage our students in, in the, the process of government. Um, and uh, I also got involved in a program that was uh, being initiated by our county, which was school to career. And so I took on some responsibilities in addition to teaching where we were helping um, equip students with a skill set that prepared them for a career after high school. I did that the last two of my four years, and um, then a new high school opened up in town, and I had the opportunity to become a head football coach, which was uh, also a passion of mine, um, and it, it was just a unique opportunity. So opening up a new high school, transferred over there, continued to teach social studies um, and uh, AP government. So how old were you when that change happened? Still young. Yeah. Uh, I, was, I was 23 when I started teaching. A, 23 when you started teaching, but uh, how old were you as a head coach for the football? So I would have been 27. 27, okay. All right, a, so a then— young, young puppy. Yeah. No, because, I mean, so those formative years of teaching, what kind of convictions did you develop— throughout those times and what, what objectives did you bring in with you like as a teacher and then what changed over the course and, yeah. You know, I, I think what drew me into coaching and to teaching was about helping people reach their potential. Uh, I mentioned I wasn't a great athlete. I was a good athlete, but I worked hard for everything I had. And um, I mentioned that blue collar work ethic. Uh, that was something that I valued. And um, but I also wanted to extend those opportunities for my students and, and help them. Um, you know, my, my father came from poverty, uh, worked on a dairy. He was the oldest of eight kids, went into the military because he feared being drafted. Uh, and likewise, he, wanted to, he didn't want to milk cows anymore. And so um, I, I think that when we look at, um, you know, the American dream and being able to pr pursue improvement and, and having better opportunities for your children— that was something, a value I really wanted to promote for students and encourage them uh, that things are attainable uh, through that hard work. So at some point you transitioned into administration and becoming a principal. When did, what was the circumstances around that? So uh, in education, uh, you tend to get a pay raise if you get a master's degree. And so pursuing my administrative credential and my master's degree uh, was partly just to increase the pay that I was receiving. At the same time, I knew at some point it was a leadership responsibility that um, that I, I kind of aspired to. The experience of opening a brand new high school is is incredible. Just the the opportunity to shape something new, to establish 
a culture and tradition. Um, I think that that's that's a, an experience that you can't gain in any other in any other manner. Um, and through that experience, I saw uh, some ways that I would love to help support with the opening of a new school um, and uh, some some changes maybe in education that I would like to attempt to pursue. So that that intrigued me for sure. So so how old were you when you became a principal? So oh, that's that's going to require some thinking. I was about 30, 31 when I became a school administrator. Um, I was an associate principal at the new high school that we had opened up in Atwater. Okay. Um, I, I did that for a couple of years, and then I got offered a position to be a district-level administrator in Madera Unified School District, overseeing all athletics. I thought that was my dream job. Um, but as we see in education, budgets tend to rise and fall, and when it fell, uh, positions of that nature were no longer available. Um, I knew I wanted to be a high school principal, and that was something I, I still aspired for. And I was presented an opportunity to become a principal of a continuation high school. And uh, I did that for five years in, in Madeira. So I guess, that, I guess that didn't answer the age question. Yeah. So doing the math, I, I, that would put me about 35 when I became a principal. We want to take this time to say thank you to our new Impulse producer sponsor, Balance 7. Balance 7 offers a revolutionary pH balancing nutritional supplement and skincare products. For more information and to connect with Dr. Norstani, visit balance7.com. That's balance7.com, where your body wants to be. Was it challenging? What were kind of what were the challenges going from a teacher to principal? You know, I, when you're a classroom teacher, you tend to be able to solve all the problems, and you can do so in isolation because you're in your own room by yourself, other than the students, and you get to to uh, I guess in, in many ways you can dictate how things are going, what the solutions and resolutions are going to be, and I think that many times as um, teachers coming out of the classroom going into administration, that's the leadership and management style that you have had success with. And you learn over time, hopefully quickly, that that is not the effective way to be an administrator. So um, leading a continuation high school was additional challenges uh, and in terms of um, in the community of Madeira, many of the students, in fact, most of the students um, were in living in neighborhoods where the presence of gangs was very, very high. Uh, in fact, our continuation high school had an AM period and a PM a session. And, and one session was our Norteños and the other session was our, our Sereños. And um, it was tough. It was, it was a tough environment. We successfully transitioned those into a single full day um, school. And many people didn't feel very optimistic about that outcome. But uh, I think that was a huge accomplishment for us. We've had previous discussions about mentoring and, and problems in the community of broken families, and you see all angles of that. And and that was one of the reasons why um, uh, we started coming on the campuses because of um, Mark Valadez inviting you to come speak to the pastors. And <clears throat> I happen to be the only one there with a student actually going to the high school. But um, 
we we come uh you know at the time i had just gotten trained as a foster parent with my wife and we had the stats of how many foster kids there are both in slow county and uh north santa barbara county and it's just staggering speak to that is that challenging as a principal and how does that affect your you know what what decisions you make as far as uh kind of people you bring in i guess is a good you know, I'd, I'd who you partner with. My journey has been uh, again not a direct route, and the the one thing, and I, I really appreciate the experiences that I've had, and I think there's a greater power to kind of guides guide guides us through this. I think certain things are, are meant to be, and um, I was not enthusiastic about being a continuation high school principal. I, I think I. High school was successful for me. It worked for me, and I was a successful product of public education. Um, I enjoyed all of the the culture and the spirit and the athletic components of, of what schools had to offer. Um, but I didn't yet have the lens for the students that were not experiencing success in school. And uh, those five years really helped me develop a better understanding that the students that are not successful in school, sometimes, in fact, many times, it's a result of the system's failures and not, not the students' failures. And so uh, that definitely has shaped me and my approach in, in terms of uh, being a school administrator and school leader. So in 2014, um, Napomo High School was going through a transition, and you obviously got a call at some point to come over from Atwater to the beautiful Central Coast and Napomo. So what was the behind your decision to come and take over? What was it like to take over for a very popular principal? And well, I I actually had just left Madeira, and um, we were starting the, the the subsequent school year, and I got a phone call from the superintendent at the time in the Merced Union High School District. And he said that he would like to appoint me back as an administrator in their district and that, um, that I would have the opportunity to be the principal of a co- comprehensive high school in the Merced-Atwater area. And so I, I, I went back to Merced and was working there closer to home, um, you know, in a, in a community that I knew. But I was still doing school accreditations and I was focusing on continuation high schools. I came over to the Central Coast and um, did the school accreditation at Lopez. And shortly thereafter, I, I did receive a phone call and uh, asking, inquiring my level of interest, uh, applying for a position at Napomo High School. You know, I mentioned the experience I had in being part of a, a new staff at a brand new high school. And I, I do believe that the bonding and the, the sense of family that you feel with a new school uh, there's so much pride and comfort, and I, I really believe I've come to understand that Napomo High School had very much of that. Uh, we are not even yet in our 20th year, Napomo High School, and so there are many staff members still there that were part of that original original staff. Um, Napomo High School has that great sense of family, and I think that there was a positive. Um, uh, people were having positive experiences, whether it was co-curricular, extracurricular, uh, and academics. However, at the time, the academic achievement and the student performance was something that had been brought into question. And unfortunately, I think some of the staff there um, had felt that they were criticized for so long 
that some of them, I fear, began to excuse the student performance based upon the students we serve. And we do, do tend to serve, we, send, we serve the most diverse population in all of San Luis Obispo County. Uh, we serve a higher uh, percentage of Hispanic Latino families. We serve a, the highest percentage of uh, families that qualify for free and reduced lunch. We've got nearly 17% of our students are students with disabilities. And uh, it's challenging work. However, I, I am confident and we're beginning to see kind of those changes. And that, that took a real cultural shift for us. So final question, uh, Mr. Denno, uh, what keeps you motivated and what inspires you to keep going? Uh, you know, I've got a big vision. Um, and when we started this work, we started this journey at Napomo High School. Uh, upon my arrival, it was getting the community in, getting the voice of uh, businesses, community members, parents, students, and staff to really define what are the skills and the characteristics we want a graduate from Napomo High School to have. Ultimately, I think the best way to capture it is we want them to be ready for career, ready for college, and ready for community. And our goal is 100%. And we've got our work cut out. We've got our work ahead of us. But I really believe this is already a great community. But think of how much better it can be if, as a school, we, can, we continue to increase quality graduates, right? Good, productive citizens, uh, people of high character. And uh, I, I, that, that's what drives me. When uh, you spoke to the pastors, you mentioned something that was really, I thought, profound, as, especially as a newcomer coming into a community. You said that um, you were reaching out to us because we were a part of the community. It's not different sections of the community. And that really, it's like you saw us all as one. But you mentioned average students may graduate and go away. Speak to that, what you're, uh, and when they come back. Yeah, so I, I remember where I saw the statistic. It was from Fordham University and some research they've been doing. Um, I believe it was 85% of um, students, when they graduate from high school, will remain or return back to the community in which they lived. And so, again, for every 100 students, if 85 of them are going to continue to live in our community, uh, I think that just increases the burden of responsibility we have as schools to ensure that those are, are people of high character, right? Uh, I think that the crime rate, I think that the um, the customer service that we experience, um, the tax base um, is all driven by quality schools. And so uh, you invited us to come on and I'm sitting there one Monday morning and I'm looking out going, man, we should have a jobs fair. But then that's a one and done. You do a jobs fair and plus colleges, they, they can, kids can go to a jobs fair, any, any college is doing that. And then I thought, what if we bring um, business, uh, business owners in to speak. What if we bring in, um, the Santa Maria business development and we do a 10 minute Ted talk. Each person does a 10 minute Ted talk and you were on board with that connected me with, um, at the time, Bonnie Davis, who is a college and career counselor at the time, I believe. Correct. Right. And, uh, that's what launched this program really. And, uh, just being able to bring in the students, take over the forum, there at the school and just uh, seeing not only the response of the students, because we share that value, like how, you know, and, and Mark and I talked about this last episode is uh, 
we want to equip our kids with something more than an idea, you know, being able to equip them or, or self-esteem, good self-esteem when they graduate high school. We want to have them have the tools to be successful in life, you know, to be able to know something, to know how to navigate. And I think we shared that common, that common vision. And, um, and that's, that's the reason why the impulse form is moving forward. And I think that that's still so critical. Um, as I shared my background, uh, my dad was in the military. So was I. My dad became an educator. So did I. And I, I think so many students, they only aspire to what they see as, as realistic. And many times what their parents do or their immediate relatives do, what they're exposed to is all they can aspire for. And so to have businesses and um, to bring in uh, examples of careers and opportunities for students, I think, is what helps them create a vision for themselves. And, and they begin that journey on that path. And they may deviate. I was a college dropout. But we, we're all going to, to go about that journey in different ways. But I think that optimism, uh, that, that goal in mind, that, that gives you that positive, positivity and that self-esteem to, to progress forward. Well, we want to thank you for coming in. It's a great interview. And just uh, for all you listening out there, um, remember to just go back over those questions. You know, uh, how was our guest speaker today? Um, what, what were his character traits, different things that he went through that developed those character traits? Um, identify what your own talents and abilities are. And then uh, look for ways to engage your community. There's a lot of a lot of different opportunities right in our community where you can start investing in your talents and skills, and that you'll be around people of like mind that will help you pursue those. And then for pursue the pulse. What can you do right now? What can you do today to start investing in, in your your time and your treasure in your talent and developing your skills? Impulse Forum is a production of Social Clicks Digital Marketing. To get your business dominating on the digital street, visit us online at socialclicks.com. That's socialklicks.com. A special thanks to our monthly mentor sponsors, Ed Carcary, General Manager of the new Fuego Hot Hits at 97.1 FM in Santa Maria, and Mike's Record Rack. Check them out online at mikesrecordrackgb.com for a great selection of vinyl records, CDs, and tapes. This episode was written and directed by Kevin Colton and produced by Tim Motter. To become a sponsor of the Impulse Forum, visit us online at theimpulseforum.com. Now take the next step. Pursue the pulse today. Day, day, day.